0: noise to the Lord today. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I'm just glad that I am alive and well today and I get to be here with you. And uh, I'm just believing that God has something good to say to you. And when you go out of church today, I'm believing you're going to be better when you go out than when you came in. Amen. Amen? Amen. I mean, already just the praise and worship is enough to make you better. Just entering into the presence of God. And some of those songs we were singing today, I'm telling you one thing. He's my victory. He's my victory. He's my victory. He's my victory. victory. Yes. Amen. And so, you know, as I've said before, I believe that song even says it. I can't remember the words of it right at the moment. But anyway... uh, he is within us so if he's within us we got the victory in us so that's the whole thing and many people are waiting for something to happen when the victory's already in you making it happen is that right so let's not wait till something happens and then we say boy we got the victory no we already have the victory so let's live in the victory because he lives in us and then in time things will be manifested is that right well, I'd like to welcome everyone that's joining us by the internet, wherever you're viewing from. Bless you, and I just pray that uh, this will be a special time for you. You know, I want to stop here just a moment and and just recognize a great legend that has gone on to be with the Lord, Reinhard Bunke, one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Uh, actually, uh, two years ago, I was supposed to... Uh, shared the pulpit with him in Nigeria and some situations came that that he couldn't go so we didn't put the thing together but it was going to be one of the largest meetings um, that he had ever he and a couple of more were invited along with him um, to to be a part of this and we didn't get to make it happen so I was looking forward to ministering along with him but you know He he led millions of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most profound, prolific soul winners of our generation and when we lived. And so he's gone on to meet his reward and he's with the Lord today and he's going to be missed. He's going to be greatly missed. But I just believe that God is going to uh, raise up others that will just stand in the gap and go right on. I know uh, Mike Francine, who is a great friend of ours. That's been here a number of times. He has shared the stage with Reinhardt many times, and he was mentored by T. L. Osborne. And so he had something on Facebook, and uh, I told Mike, I said, "Now it's your time," you know, because he's did. Done big crusades all over the world. I said, now it's your time to continue on. You're younger than me, so you got time to to uh, get out there and keep this this ministry going. He can't obviously keep that anointing going, but he he was there with it, and so I just pray that he will uh, he will just keep going right on. And so uh, let's just pray for the Reinhardt uh, Bunky family today. Could we do that, Father? We thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we come together in prayer this morning over the, the uh, going home of Evangelist Reinhard Bunke, God, his family and those that are close to him, I just pray, Lord, that you will minister to him and, and all of the, the ones that are in his family that are left behind. God, this great legend, this great giant in the ministry is now in your presence. He's there with many of the people that he has led to you. So we just pray, God, for his whole family that you will be with them, and minister to them in Jesus' name. Father, I just ask for your anointing on this service today, that your glory, your goodness will be here, and God, that you will minister to people and anoint me to speak the words of life that you want me to speak. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen and amen. Uh, Well, you know, I felt like this morning, trying to finish up on... Uh, your decisions today determines your tomorrow. I had a lot to say last week, and I never did get to finish it. And I think many people don't really realize <clears throat> each day could be your last day. And and um, and it's important that um, <coughs> excuse me. It's important that when we get up how we get ourselves together. You know, last week I was talking about George Mueller and how uh, George Mueller said, one of my first obligations and responsibilities is is to get my soul happy. <clears throat> and I feel like that's my responsibility, is to get myself not in a... Uh, be in a stay in a bad mood or in a, a bad emotional state, but to get up and begin to recognize this is the day that the Lord has made for you and me to rejoice and be glad in. No matter what's going on, we can still rejoice in the Lord. Not in the situation that's going on. We don't rejoice about that. But we rejoice in the Lord. That's what the Bible said. It didn't say rejoice in the situation, but it said rejoice in the Lord because this is the day that He's made for you and me. And so, I I just really believe that it's important you know I, I've read the scripture a number of times the Bible said to number our days well I don't believe that that means that we, we got so many you, you're supposed to count your days that's not what it's saying but each day is a number that you need to realize I'm living today and this day is so important to me and how I handle myself and my decisions is really important because this could be the only day I get to make decisions again here in this life and I know a friend of ours. Uh, I, I saw where she posted on Facebook. Um, she's been here and ministered, and her daughter uh, just rolled off of a big, big high, high one of the not the high five, but one of the big bridges, and and it just you know fortunate she she was okay but you know you never know when something is going to happen so we need to be ready at all times can i hear an amen to that well, I, I want to, as I said, continue on, and so, uh, uh, Cheryl, I know you got my notes, but I've changed them a little bit since you got them, so, uh, um, so just bear with me, Cheryl, I'm going to do some things first before I get to the scripture you got to start off with, and so I'll, I'll go back in a minute, Cheryl, and uh, you can catch up with me. But one of the things that I want to say today is you are responsible for every decision you make when you become an adult. You know, uh, I, I do realize that many people start from a bad advantage point. They did not have the upbringing, and they did not have the environment, and, and they did not have a, a leader in the home to show them the right way. I know here just a few years ago we used to work with a bunch of kids over uh, – across Dallas, and, and many of these young kids, you know, they, they come up in a dysfunctional family. And, and so all they knew were dis- dysfunctional, and they're adults, but they are exposed to right things. Yes. No matter how bad these young kids were... Uh, brought up they still in places where they're exposed to good things and so now it's their responsibility whether they want to go the way their parents did or, or whether they had parents that actually cared for them or whoever was dysfunctional around them that taught them a dysfunctional lifestyle, they still have a mind of their own. They can choose to go wrong or they can choose to go right. You know, I preached in the prisons many times and many times visited people in jail and prisons. And most of the time, most of the time when I talked to someone in prison, they never did anything wrong or it was somebody else's fault the reason why they were there. So we got to understand that you're responsible for every decision you make when you become an adult. You can blame your parents, you can blame your past or your present relationships, you can blame your job, you can blame someone on the job. And I, I know someone that does not come here now anymore because they blame someone on their job. Uh, For something and so they decided not to come to our church anymore because they didn't like somebody on their job that happened to come here. So you know it's just it's just amazing how people can get into bad thinking. And realize this person here is going to control my decisions. You know, how many people are being controlled by someone else's decisions? I'm going to control my own decisions. I want the attitude of Jesus. I want to do the right thing. Don't you? Or your job. Someone on the job. What someone said. Or what someone did. The economy. The weather. Your age. But you alone are responsible for every decision you make. So let's learn. Let's learn from today to make the best decisions we can through the Holy Spirit, through the guidance of God's Word and having the right attitude. You know, uh, you know one of the things that we have to realize that that if decisions are, are made out of love, just like faith Faith, the Bible tells us, works by love. Faith works by love. So if decisions are made out of love, you're going to make the right decision. But if decisions are made out of emotions, most of the time they're going to be wrong. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6 in the Living Bible, it says, love is, and I've read this many times, and, and I, I hope you, you understand that as a pastor, I, 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 I I just don't just take a different scripture every time and read it again. We go back again and again and again. You've heard me say, uh, uh, you, you don't quit eating chicken because you had it one time. Uh, if you like chicken, you know, you don't quit eating steak or fish or whatever it is. You do it over and over again. Well, why can't we hear the word of God over and over again? The same scripture. Amen. Because it never changes. So, Anyway, uh, it says, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Everybody say patient. Patience. See, that, that's where it gets into relationships. You know, you've got to be patient. Everybody's not going to do what you want them to do. Uh, and, 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 you know, sometimes you want to pick up the ugly stick and you want to hit them with the ugly stick, you know. Has anybody ever wanted to pick up the ugly stick and hit somebody with it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've all been that way, but you know, hitting somebody with the ugly stick only makes us look like the ugly stick. So anyway, it says it's patient and kind. It's not always easy to be patient and kind, but it says it's never jealous or envious. You know, I, I'm not jealous of anything any pastor or minister does or what they have. You know what? Because I know God's got enough for me. Yeah. So why would I be jealous of you or anybody else of what you have? And if I don't have what you have, well, God is my source and he will make a way where there is no way. So I don't have any reason to be jealous of anybody else. Amen. Don't be envious, never boastful or proud. None of us have ever been proud or boastful, you know, Uh, never haughty. So, who, this next one, I don't know. Maybe I ought to put my hand on my mouth when I read it. Selfish. Yeah. Ooh. I don't think any of us in this room are selfish, are we? No. Nobody watching TV. I mean, that's just in the Bible. That's just the word in the Bible. It's just, you know, there for us to read. But you know what? <laughs> we all find ourselves sometimes being very selfish. Yeah. And when you're selfish, you know, then you get into sympathy and feeling sorry for yourself. I could really go on there, but I'll go on. And then it says, it's never haughty, selfish, or rude. Now I know everybody here. You're just, you just, you just never been rude to anybody. I, I know that. Never rude. Boy, I tell you, this is hard to live up to. I mean, this is quite a bundle, isn't it? Amen. I don't know if any of you here can live up to this or not, but I try. But uh, I, I try. At times when Pastor Sharon, she's not here this morning, so I, you know, I, I can really, I can really. Oh, she's probably watching at home. Nah, nah. Yeah, She's probably watching. I, I, she probably is. But sometimes when she does some things that I, I, I'd uh, rather she didn't do, you know, uh, I try not to be rude, you know. Anyway, uh, or, or somewhere else, somebody else, I try my best not to be rude. Love does not demand its own way. Man, this is just a lot of stuff. Uh, see this is why am I reading this to show you how that our decisions if we base them from from God's word and from God's love then we are going to make better decisions it does not hold grudges ooh, and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong Wow, well you know, God help our eyes not to notice, you know, help our eyes to be filled with love. And then it never is glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. It, it always rejoices when truth, everybody say truth. truth. You know, I want the truth. I want the truth. I want to speak the truth. I often tell people, you know, if you'll speak the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Isn't that amazing? You know, I know a guy that he just lies, he just lies. And, and one time I told him, I said, I never know when you're, I said, sometimes you're telling me the truth. <clears throat> and and sometimes I, I know you're lying but I said I never know when, it, when you're telling I said sometimes when you're telling the truth I don't believe you because you tell so many lies he said I just can't help it I just lie I just lie I just lie I said well you're a Christian he said well I know but I just like, I just like enhancing the story I just like making things better and bigger I said well the truth the Bible said the truth will make you free so you're not free because you have to remember I said I've called you in lies before because but one time you told me this another time you're telling me that and so I'm saying which one is the truth and come to find out neither one of them's the truth anyway uh, uh, faith as I said works by love our decisions when they're made out of love we make decisions that bring, bring good results. And, and I like to say this about faith. Uh, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Faith that overcomes can only blossom and bloom in the soil of love. Faith that overcomes can only blossom and bloom, bloom from the soil of love. Is love in your heart is love in your heart, or is other things in your heart? So you have to put love in your heart. When you're born again, you're you're given love. Uh, I, I I didn't plan to talk this much about this because it's taken away from my subject time, but I, I'm wanting to always real like you to realize that love is the foundation for everything we do and if we're built on that foundation and and god's love is flowing out of us then we will live up to these things and faith without love is like a sailboat without a sail uh, an airplane without wings a car without wheels a checking account without money so you know what we need to realize without love we're nothing. We're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, the Bible says. So uh, I'll go back now and start, start the, my, my regular message. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 19, uh, I want to read this verse again. I read it some weeks ago, but it bears again. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. Now, there it is. He said, uh, both is out there. Good and bad is out there. He may That scripture may not have said it that way. But good is there and bad is there. But choose the good. And so, God's word said for us to choose life. Now, when it says to choose life, that means no matter what happens to us, we must look for life in a bad situation. See, every situation that comes is not good, but when one comes, look for the life. And that's what I've always tried to teach my children. It's what I've tried to, to share with my wife Sharon over and over again, that that. Instead of talking so much about what is, let's find a way to choose life out of this situation and get it moving in the right direction rather than get it stuck or going the wrong direction. So when he says choose life, I think that we always must be looking for the life in a death situation. And that's not always easy to do. Uh, We all face tough times either with our body our emotions, our finances, our relationships, our families, and decisions that other people make that we have no control over that affects us. And so we we must realize this is the way it happens. Uh, I, 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 I want to say it again because uh, it's important. I, I, I've said this many times, and I was reading something uh, that Andrew Womack said, and he said, the very same thing. I didn't hear him say it before I said it, but it doesn't matter if I did. Uh, But he said the very same thing. He said, life is a series of decisions. Life is a series of decisions. And we, we sometimes don't consciously think about that that's what life is and the more we're aware of God's presence and the more sensitive we are to his will the better we will be at making decisions even in difficult times you know uh, uh, I've been talking to a minister this week and I had told you just a few weeks ago uh, his wife passed he's a pastor over in uh, Uh, Blairsville Georgia a great church I've ministered there a number of times and um, and his wife was editing my book that I told you about Uh, her name was uh, uh, well Debbie and Debbie was doing such an outstanding job on my book one of the best editors that I'd ever had but she got two chapters done and she was only 59 and she went to heaven well you know I've been talking to her Husband regularly, Asa, because I I want to be there for him during his time that he's going through some hard times. And so he's going back in the pulpit every hour ahead. He's going back in the pulpit, and we've talked quite a bit. And I've shared with him how to to enter back in. And I, I, he said, "Well, my title is Let's Go On." And uh, you know, I've been talking to him, and and it's not easy. For him to stand up this and you know, she was the, the editor for all of his writings. She was the administrator of the church. She, she was the worship leader of the church, on and on and on. And so for him to go back and start, he's actually starting all over to a certain extent. And so, uh, you know, I've been encouraging him, but as I talk to him, you know, I don't know really how well he's doing. He says he's doing okay, but again, he's choosing to accept the fact that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You know, some people say, why did my mom die? Why did my son die? Why did this... You know... Uh, you know, why did uh, Reinhardt Bunke die at 79? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a good long time. But, but why did he die? Why didn't he get to be 85? I don't know the answer to those. All I know is the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So every one of you that's listening, you that are here one day, myself, if Jesus doesn't come, my body is going to go back the dust, the breath is going to leave my spirit and soul is going to go to be with Jesus so we need to acknowledge the fact that someone will die whether we're ready for them to die or not, whether we think they've lived as long as they should or not, I didn't think my 15 year old, our 15 year old son lived long enough but it's not my choice. Uh, it was an accident. He he, he died. He, he was killed. And I could go on and on. My friend in Tennessee that I preached in that church since 1980, I think it was, or 82, somewhere along there. I preached for him, I don't know, it's a, it's a huge church and, and he's traveled with me all over the world as a speaker in my conferences and, and his 17 year old son died uh, I mean it was sad and, 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 and you know he would say to me I'm not like you Don you, 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 you didn't ask why but he said I got to know why well he kept asking why and I said well you may not like the answer and so when he got the answer he came to me one day and he said I don't like the answer I got what do I do I said leave it with God leave it with God so he finally decided to leave it with God so again folks people die we know that but when it happens to us then it's a different story see just like many people can advise others but yet when it comes back to us and we got emotion with what's happening to us then it's a different story no it's not no, it's not. It's the same story as you, was in, as you was advising someone else. It's just now happening to you and you got your emotions you've got to work through. So, I'm telling you folks, our decisions determine our tomorrows. And so, our decisions today could be the last decision we make and we may be standing in the presence of Jesus. Uh, we may be standing in the presence of Jesus before we realize it or before we plan to or before we want to so uh, once again life is a series of decisions and the more we're aware of God's presence and of his will the better decisions we'll make even in difficult times even in difficult times see uh, I I, want to reiterate our decisions control our destiny destiny our decisions control our destiny. You are where you are. I am where I am today because of my decisions. You know, sure, there's th- things happened in our life that we didn't plan for. Just like with Asa. Uh, he didn't plan for his wife to leave at 59. She, and, and they had three sons. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't plan this, but it happened. So, are you going to get mad at God or are you going to make a decision to go on? See, many times the decision we make are not the choices that God has for us. They're not the choices that God has for us. So let's, let's begin to pray and say, God, I want to make the decision you have for me, not the decision that, that I'm going to make. Just because I don't like something, I don't like somebody, I don't like something somebody did. Uh, Anyway, um, last week I told you that in a day we make uh, an average or an estimated of 35,000 decisions a day. Wow, that's a lot of choices, isn't it? Well, obviously, some are not as important as others. But again, there are a lot of decisions to make. And I think unconscious decisions, unconscious decisions come from within and we need to be aware of what these decisions, these unconscious decisions, you know, it's just like somebody, sometimes they're watching TV and they, 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 they unconsciously eat. They're making a decision, and, and and they do. I mean, they're just, uh, and and they look and they look in the bag or whatever they got, and it's all gone. They didn't realize because they're they're un, they're making unconscious decisions, and so a, a lot of our decisions are made that way, and it's not just eating. Sometimes it's it's being angry. Sometimes it's saying bad words or doing bad deeds or 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 feeding an offense. And and we need to be aware of of what we're doing. Not all the thirty-five thousand decisions that we make. I don't think we can just conscious consciously think about them. But as I've said many times, our subconscious more decisions comes from our subconscious than we realize. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12 to renew our mind. And see, renewing your mind is not your conscious mind. You can do that. But your unconscious mind, your unconscious mind is where everything is stored. And so many times people, when they panic, they're not panicking from their conscious, they're panicking from, from a spirit of fear or they're unconscious or for a, from a memory or for something's happened in the past. That's why it's constantly putting something in. That's why I encourage you to come to church often. I don't encourage you to come to church because I want you to fill up the seat and I want you to give an offering. I want you to come so you can hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and by Hearing the word of God and actually that second hearing, if you go to the Greek and look at it, that second hearing actually means this. Faith comes by hearing and understanding the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, look it up, hearing and understanding the word of God. Now, see when we hear it and understand it, and apply it, then we become better and and people that stay away, people that are are, are bothered, people that are offended they they really don't hurt. You and me I mean it 'd be better if they were here and, and socialized with us and prayed with us and and, and fellowship together, but again they 're really hindering their own destiny by pulling away because of an offense and and Let me just say this: you know I, I talk a lot about life, my personal experiences, our family, not because i i don 't have plenty to say, but I I talk about us a lot in my messages because I try to take practical applications and live by them. You know, uh, there's some that really enjoy prophecy teaching. And there's some that really enjoy looking up uh, Hebrew words and Greek words and these kind of things. And all of this is okay. All of this is okay. But... Whatever we do, we need to make it, whatever we're studying, whatever we're learning, it's to make us better at making decisions and walking in love. So if you're, if you're a walking Bible and you know everything, but you're not doing what the Bible says, all you've got is knowledge. See, some people go to school and get all kinds of degrees and, and, and they never use them. All they have is knowledge. But you know what? You, you can get up and go on. Yes. Amen? Yes. I said you can get up and go on. So, I, I, you know, I, I say this for you to understand. Don't ask God to make your decisions right. Don't ask God to make your decisions right. Ask God to help you make right decisions. Amen. Everybody said, "I'm not going to ask God to make my decisions right." I'm not going to ask God to make my decisions right. I'm going to ask God to help me make right decisions. I'm going to ask God to help me make right decisions. See, if you can do that, you won't view your future. Through your presence. If you can do that. If you can, if you can really pray that kind of prayer. You won't ask God. You won't, you won't be viewing what's going to happen in the future. Through what's happening at the present moment. See I'm amazed at the moment. Of the people that get stuck. At the moment. I mean they get stuck right there. You know I was talking about death. And. 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 I got here in my notes, and maybe I'll get there. I'm getting there before. Uh, but you know, a lot of people handle the loss of a loved one differently, yes, yes. and a lot of people grieve and grieve and grieve and grieve yes. over the loss of a loved one. And and you know, I'm not I'm not throwing stones when I say that. Because I've I've not had some of the situations that other people have, but and and losing someone in your family or someone that's close to you, I mean it's real. The loss is real. It's it's hard to deal with. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure divorce is very hard to to deal with. Thank God I've never had to to deal with that. But you that have dealt with it, sometimes it could be almost as bad as losing a loved one. I I don't know. Uh, But anyway, I remember remember my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, you know, she's gone to heaven now. But my mother-in-law, her 20-year-old son... My wife's brother. Uh, she, they were in Canada, living in Canada, but he was, he was driving back and forth with a, a neighbor boy, two doors down, and they were both attending Buffalo University. It was about <coughs> going over the Peace Bridge <coughs> there in Buffalo, in Fort Erie. It was probably about a thirty-five mile drive from where they lived to the university, maybe a little more, but. Anyway, they were driving back and forth every day and that day he was 20 years of age Well, she had a surprise birthday party waiting for him and he never made it home because a drunk driver hit them and killed them both. Well, uh, I mean, what a horrible thing to happen. I mean, you know, we were living in Tennessee at the time and, and I remember uh, us leaving and, and, and going there to, to be a part of the the service and be with uh sharon's mother and father and family and uh, uh and we all obviously had to go back i think sharon stayed a few days and i took the kids and come on back home but you know as time went on we would go back uh, and my mother-in-law continued to grieve and she aged 10 years in a year because she grieved, she would not stop grieving. You said, "Well, don't." Cri- I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying she handled it. She, every day, she made a decision to grieve rather than to say, "God, help me to heal over my loss." I mean, what a way to. And, and you know, the people were not even charged. They were not even charged whatsoever with any, um, with no, no ticket, no jail time. Uh, uh, you know no insurance to 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 help her with her loss, and all of this together compiled and made things worse but finally, after a year, this was even before our son was killed. But after a year, I remember being in her living room and she was looking older, and she was just not an un- she was just an unhappy woman and she 'd always been bright and just just pray and love and and be be life you know and but and she was a little short lady, I think she was 4'11", somewhere along in there. But I grabbed her, Italian, little Italian woman, you know. But I, I remember grabbing her and just shaking her. And I, and I said, uh, you, you've got to get a hold of yourself. You're grieving yourself to death. I said, Timothy is the one that was killed and died, not the rest of your family and not you. You're, you're still here why you're still here and it's him, we don't know. Why your other two sons and, and Sharon is still here, we don't know why it was Timothy. But you have to let go. She didn't like that. She didn't speak to me for a couple of hours. But you know, finally, she come around and put her arms around me and she said, I'm sorry. She said, I didn't like what you said. And she said... I, it's hard to let go. I said I can't even imagine because our son had not yet been killed, and uh, um, Timothy is our our Timothy is our youngest, and his name's Timothy Mark. He was named after Sharon's brother, and so anyway, um, little by little she began to make a decision to give the pain to the Lord, to give the grief to the Lord and as she began to give the grief to the Lord she began to come back in life she started choosing life remember what I said we choose life in the middle of death situations so little by little she started choosing life and so within about a year after that she was pretty much herself and as time went on As time went on, she became herself again and began to live and enjoy her other three children that she had, her grandchildren. She began to enjoy her grandchildren, which she couldn't do as long as she was in that state of grief. So, folks, as long as you're letting death control your thinking, death control your decisions, you won't live happy. You won't live free. You'll make bad choices. So, don't allow your present situation to have final say. And what was my mother-in-law doing? Uh, She was having her present situation to dictate what she was going to say or do. Uh, Don't allow your circumstance to to determine your expectations. Her circumstances was causing her to expect a bad day, a grieving day, a solemn day uh you know she played the piano she was a great pianist and sometimes in my meetings, she'd come in and play she was a great pianist but she quit playing the piano she quit doing anything that was life she was giving in to death folks he said choose life let's not give in to death there's too much of it around us let's take every moment we can to live Regardless of who hurts us, who does us wrong, he said, "Choose life." And I want to say this: Don't let your present circumstances dictate your faith in God. Don't let see see. Don't don't let what's you know. The, uh, someone called me this week and, and they was telling me about stuff going on. They said, "Where is God?" Where is God from another state? They said, where is God? I said, same place he's always been. Yeah, but why is he allowing this to happen? I said, I can't answer your questions. The only thing I can say is choose life in your situations. I said, some of these decisions you made in the past, and you were working with other people that made bad choices and even though you're thrown into the mix and you made you made good choices you're having to you're having to work through who you were with uh even though you didn't make those choices that they make but instead of but I'm just this this, and this and they went on to explain I said but you know what you can say all of these things you want to say but the best thing to do is just hold your head up and realize God Help me to make good decisions today. And what I'm having to go through because of what they did, and I, did, I was not a part of it, but I'm having to go through it because I was there. And so I'm having to go through it and be questioned. I'm not going to... Uh, I said, just, just make your own choices to do the right thing. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Amen? Yes. Is anybody here? Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, I, I remember years ago, Years ago, uh, uh, um, someone did wrong and and I was subpoenaed by the government to come and be a, 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 a give a testimony. I knew a few little things, and i i, I didn 't know as much as they thought I knew, but I, I knew the person, but i wasn 't guilty, and they weren 't accusing me of of being guilty. But this person had done some things and I knew them. So I was subpoenaed by the government and I had to fly. I don't know, several states I had to fly. The government paid my expenses, put me out in the hotel. And I had to go and testify before the grand jury about what I knew. I answered their questions. Well, you know, I didn't like having to go do that. I didn't like having to go do that because I didn't do anything. I just knew somebody. And they asked me questions. And I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know. But some things, you know, that I did know, I had to say what I knew. Amen? But my motive was not to go and damage the person that was being investigated in front of a grand jury. Uh, uh, My motive was not to pour water on the fire, or uh, pour fire, what do you call it? Gas Gas. Gas on the fire. My motive was just to go and do my job, do my obligation. You subpoenaed me, so I'm going to answer your questions. So I didn't like that, and I didn't like it that I had the smell of smoke. But you know what? I just did the best I could without trying to injure or or protect. Just answered the questions that I was asked without any malice or any... uh, And and it wasn't my best friend, I'll put it that way, (laughs) if that'll explain something to you. It was not my best friend at the time. It, It had been a close friend in the past, but, you know, that was no longer... And they had done some things to really try and damage my character. But you know what? I wasn't there to get even. I was there just to to do what the government said. Now, you know, uh, it seems like sometimes trials that we're in, they, they seem to never stop. How many how many has ever uh, can identify with what I'm talking about? Trials seem to never stop. They just keep but you know what they do? Yes. They do. They'll eventually get over. But you know what? As long as you're in that trial, and you say, "This is never going to be over. This is never. If this is I, this is more than I, no, no. It's not more than God will give you the grace to handle. God will give you. Oh, I got to calm down. God will give you the grace." God will give you the grace to handle whatever, it, whatever comes your way. God will give you to choose life. I'm going to say it again. I know this is uh, repetitious and I'm repeating intentionally, but God will give you the grace to make life decisions in a death situation. See, I'm not saying it's easy. But if you want your tomorrow to be better, you've got to get up today. If you want your tomorrow to be better, you've got to get up today. Let me ask you this. Are you going to give up? Or are you going to get up? Are you going to give up? Or are you going to get up? You know my. You know people tell me I just can't find a job. I just can't find a job. Somebody told me, yeah, the other day, Friday, I believe it was. I was talking and just just trying to reason with them. You can get a job. Is it. This and they just kept giving excuses and excuses. They actually, got really annoyed at me. And <laughs> and um, uh, well, they did. They, they just got re- kind of raised their voice. I didn't raise mine, but they got a- I said, you know what? I said. I don't understand. Everything I say, you have an excuses. And I said, excuses only satisfies the person that gives them. Excuses only satisfies the person that gives them. You know, my my grandson, see, just like somebody was saying, Well, if you gotta wait till the first of the year, no, it's Christmas time, you gotta airplanes are still flying. Trucks are still on. Go go on the interstates and and see how many trucks are on the road. Go to the dealerships and see how many cars is being sold. Go to the grocery stores and look at the stuff that's being uh, uh, sold. Go to the restaurants and look at the people packing them out. Go down the the tollway that you have to sit on uh, and pay tolls and sit in like a parking lot. There's thousands of people going somewhere. They're spending money to buy gas. They're spending money to drive their car. And then somebody says, you can't get a job between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You just got to wait till the first of the year. You know what I could say to that? That's just a bunch of nothing. I could use a different term, but I'm going to be nice. Somebody said, well, somebody said, you can't get no job. Well, my grandson, Chad, got let go he's a real estate appraiser he just got let go from his job What well, he just went on anew in this past Wednesday they hired him they hired him between Thanksgiving and Christmas they didn't wait and say come in the first of the year and we'll talk about it they hired him and he went on his new job on Wednesday making more money than he did on his other job so folks, we can use excuses or get up and say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day. Amen. I hope I get to my point. I've been weeks trying to get to my point. But it just seems like so much comes up to prepare you for what I'm about to say. Well, here we go. I'm on my way there now. I got a few minutes to tell you my main point. Uh. Anyway, it says, here's what I want to say. We should learn lessons from the cross. The devil thought that he, the cross would be the end of Jesus. The devil thought the cross would be the end of Jesus. Instead, what looked like an end became a new beginning so the cross could not hold him and the grace could not keep him Hallelujah. so I'm encouraging every one of you let's go back to the cross and when we go back to the cross and see what happened at the cross and that Jesus died but he was also resurrected Amen. Yeah. now Death could not handle Jesus. Death could not handle Jesus. Three days after he was crucified, he arose from the grave, conquering spiritual death not physical death but spiritual death Jesus arose well Jesus went into the grave a sinner but arose a righteous and the Bible said he was the first born from the dead the first born from the dead so Jesus see, see if if, if Satan had known what was going to happen at the cross, he would have never crucified our Lord. Yes, right. yes. See, he was making decisions out of hate and malice and jealousy and strife, you know, because he got kicked out of heaven. And, and he was angry that here, God sent Jesus to redeem all that He had done and to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus had been sent to destroy the works of the devil. Whoa! Somebody shout hallelujah! Jesus was brought to destroy the works of the devil. Now, here it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they had known it. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See Mm -hmm. Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know till you open your mouth and tell him. Mm -hmm. So watch your mouth. See, Satan thought he knew everything, so he said, "I'm going to kill him. I'm going to destroy him." But the Bible said, "Had Satan known it, had he known what was going to happen, he would not have crucified the Lord of Glory." Yes, yes, yes. See, Jesus knew. On, see, Jesus knew on the other side of the cross. There would be a resurrection. Amen. Satan didn't, but Jesus did. Yes. Yes. He knew he would be crucified and placed in a tomb. He knew he would die physically and spiritually. He knew the tomb would not be able to hold him, and that three days later he would arise because he told his disciples that. Three days. He would tell them over and over it's going to happen. I'm going to rebuild the temple. Well, you know, everybody thought he was talking about the big temple, but he's talking about the temple of God. Folks, this is so powerful. We we we're, we're not here. We're not a mistake. And and we got God living on the inside of us. And look at our world. Satan thought I got it all in my hands. I put him on the cross. I've shamed him. I beat him. I have gotten even with him. And look what. Look look at him. Look at him. Look how bad he is And, the, and his uh, you know, the uh, the sin was placed on him, and so he became dark and separated from his father, and his body died, and they put him in the grave, and Satan was rejoicing. But I want to go back, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. Folks get ready, something big is happening in your life. I don't know about you, but you know, from, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I get in, I get in overdrive. I just have the pedal to the metal. My faith is stronger from November to Christmas or to, to January 1 and, and I see, I see more miracles it seems like and I, I guess I need to keep the pedal to the metal when it comes January and February and March and April and May and June. But it is. It's just like something when when it starts getting close to Thanksgiving. Something on the inside of me just starts rising up and says, Don, this is the time for big things. I'm believing for some big things. And you watch, they'll happen. You watch, they'll happen. You know, the life of faith is not about your present, only about your present, but it's really about your future. Now, the life of faith is not only about your present, I'm going to explain this in a minute, but it's really, today is pertaining to your future. See, sometimes we don't realize the decision we make today, how how much it affects us in our future. I look back at a decision I made, I, I, I was so busy years ago, and um, it was a financial decision. And I'm so busy, and when the paper came in, I, I said, told my secretary, I said, just just sign it. She said, you sure? She said, well, that's your signature. I said, just sign it. I don't care. Sign it. She said, but it's your signature. I said, sign it. Well, you know, a few months later, I got a letter from the courts and said this doesn't look like your signature. If we need you to come to court and verify the signature. Well, I mean, it's nothing bad. But and if you don't do this, you have to do this. Well, I didn't want to do this, but I needed to do this. Well, I was going to be in one state on that particular day because of my schedule. That's when I was doing big meetings all across the country. So I said, I've got to leave this meeting and fly there to go and... I don't care. Just do it anyway. Turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened. That I didn't go and put my real name down there. I let them do what they wanted to do. Turned out to be one of the best financial decisions I ever made in my life. You all look at me and what was it? (laughs) My business. (laughs) But it's helping me today. And it was over 40 years ago over almost fifty years ago that that happened i was i you know it, it it was a good thing I should have been doing for my future, but I was wanting no i don 't want to do that Thank, thank God she signed it. <laughs>
1: And they said, if we don't
0: have your original signature before us in court verifying this, then you have to do this. Well, what I had to do was good. Amen? Somebody said, what in the world is it? Be here next week and I'll tell you. See, the reason Satan is so against us today is if he can stop you now... He can stop you from a better future. The reason why Satan is bothering you with that trial right now, or that that financial situation, or that family situation, or that offense, or that that is for your future. He wants to keep you there. See, I believe if you I believe you can have a good future. And why, what, what, when I say that, Satan really knows your possibilities. See, he knows your possibilities, but that's why he wants to stop you today. That's why he wants to keep you out of church. That's why he wants to keep you from making right choices. That's why he's trying to get you to give in to your emotions and make wrong decisions today. You know what? You really please Satan if you stay in offense. If you choose to stay in offense today, you're not pleasing God. You're not punishing someone. See, sometimes people think when they stay in offense towards someone, they're punishing them. No. You're pleasing Satan Anytime you're in offense and you stay in offense and you choose today, you're choosing God. I don't want to be near you today because I want to stay offended. How many times do you hinder what God's got for you because you want to give in to Satan and you say, so you're not, I'm, Yeah, offense is not from God. Offense is not from God. <clears throat> And see, we must understand when you live with God, you'll be attacked by Satan in your weakest places. He knows where your weaknesses are. He knows where the weak link is. And so, he knows the blessings that you're believing for. And when you get those blessings materialized in your hand, how beneficial you'll be to the kingdom of God. So, See, there's talented people that's sitting out there, talented people that could be helping the kingdom of God, but they're offended at someone, and so they're holding on to the offense, where if they let go of that offense, they could be fulfilling the call of God and be helping others and blessing others. But they're, no, I'm not. They, they said this to me or they did that to me and so I'm not going to do this because of what they said or they did. But you know what? If, if they can say, Satan, you're not going to stop me today from making the right decisions today because I know if I'll make the right decisions today <clears throat> and swallow hard and, and go up a little bit, And eat some pride and and just realize uh, people make mistakes and uh, people do wrong and people say things. And the Bible said make allowances for others. Anyway, if, if, if that person, whoever I'm talking to today, whoever I'm talking to, if you say, Today, I'm not going to be offended because my offense is going to hinder my talents and my abilities. I know people with all kinds of talents and abilities sitting home with great talents and abilities that they could be using in the kingdom of God and helping people, but they'd rather choose today to be offended. Satan. They're listening to the voice of Satan. Now, Satan wants to stop you before you get the breakout that you're believing for. Yes. Why did they come today? Why does this happen? Because Satan doesn't want you to become. See, anytime you ask why, anytime you ask why, you're saying, just answer and say, Satan wants to hinder me from being what God wants me to be. Yes, uh, amen. So- Folks, I don't know how much longer I got, but I believe my last is going to be better than anything I've ever done. Somebody said, do you really believe that? I do. I do. See, Satan is working right now trying to stop you today because he knows you're blessed. And he knows that you that's out of offense, you'll bless the work of God. And let me tell you this, he's really afraid of your future. I believe Satan's afraid of my future. Amen. You know, I believe that's why he's attacked my body. But you know what? I get up every day and say I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You don't know how I feel this morning, but I'm not going to talk to you about my feelings. I'm going to talk to you about the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the goodness of God. Now, here we go. Look at this. Cheryl's going to put this up for you. Pharaoh did not try to kill Moses as a little baby because he was because of who he was at the time. He was just a little baby boy who looked and acted like all the other baby boys. Pharaoh wanted to kill baby Moses so he would never be a man and become the deliverer of Israel. It was Moses' future that Pharaoh was afraid of. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, what if the mama would have said, why would I got to give up my baby? Why would I got to give up my baby? No, she didn't say that. She, she got this little thing and, and, and fixed it and put Moses in the water, believing that somebody's going to find Moses. And who did God send? The enemy's daughter. <laughs> and what house did he roll who educated him the the enemy educated him and raised this will preach this will preach but that's another message why did Satan or why did Saul try to kill David who was just a young innocent boy who had a gift to play the anointing uh, uh, and uh, had a gift to play the harp an anointing and a gift why did Satan try to stop David Saul wanted to kill David when he was a young man he wanted to stop him from being the next king of Israel because he had been rejected Saul disobeyed the prophet when he disobeyed the prophet he was disengaged and he was no longer anointed and he knew that somebody else was coming and David was anointed to be king so while he was a young boy David wanted to kill him before he got wisdom and knowledge so he would never become the king of Israel. Are you getting anything? This this is the the whole point I've been trying to get to for for weeks. I mean, I've been laying the foundation, finally getting the message out today. Listen to this. Joseph's brother did not try to kill him as a 17-year-old boy because of who he was at the time. They were, they were not afraid of who he was. They were afraid of who he would become. Yes. Yes. What did he tell them? He said, I saw y'all bowing down to me. Yes. Yes. They didn't like that at all. And you think we're ever going to bow down to you, we're going to kill you. Yes. Yes. We're going to kill you. Well, see, they... They were not after him for what he was. They were after him for what God had in store for him. They were not concerned about where he was at the time. They were concerned about where he was going and what he would become. Joseph's brothers were afraid of Joseph's future. And every one of you, when you're attacked, just remember, Satan is afraid of your success. Satan is afraid of your success. Tom and Cindy, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know why y'all came here. But I'm telling you something is inside of me. Something inside of me is saying everything you've been going through has to do with Satan trying to hinder your financial future. And your financial future is going to be bigger and brighter and better than you could even dream at the moment. So your present circumstances has nothing to do with what the future is, is, is what God is doing for you right now. I'm and Cindy, I'm telling you, the anointing of God, I just couldn't stop looking at y'all today. And finally, God said, well, go ahead and tell them. <laughs> I've been trying to get that out and I thought I I don't want to say that but you know what somebody that's here you, you get ready flame why why did the devil try to kill you with that stroke why did he try to kill you with that strength? Because you've got three beautiful kids that you're the mother of, that you give them a good, you give them a good advice and you keep them in school and you, you, you help them and you're a good mother and, and you've got a future. You've got a future. And Satan was afraid of your future. He's afraid of what your kids would be. But thank God you're alive, you're well, you're getting better, you're recovering. My nephew, uh, while I was doing the, the, the broadcast Tuesday night, not Tuesday night, but uh, one time, I don't remember, I didn't do it Tuesday night, did I did it. Anyway, uh, the last one I was doing, uh, my nephew was typing in in intensive care, I just had a stroke, and, and he's, he's young, and... Uh, but you know what? Satan knows what's ahead. And thank God he's repro- improving all the time. They've taken him out of intensive care now and they put him in uh, therapy. And so he's going he's to recover. God, he's going to recover 100%. Amen. And we're just believing that. So why, why did he have that stroke? Satan was trying to hinder his future. I'm just about done. And thank you for helping me here. Now this is big right here. This is big. Why did Satan try to kill Jesus as a baby? Why did Satan try to kill Jesus as a baby? Why did he move on Pharaoh's heart to kill all the baby boys two years old and under? Why did he want to kill this little boy named Jesus? Jesus was not healing the sick. He was not casting out devils. He wasn't raising the dead. He was just a baby. Satan knew he had been sent from God to do some great works. He didn't know the whole story. He didn't know the whole story. But he knew that there was a good future for Jesus. See, he was just a little child. Satan did not want to kill Jesus because of what he was doing at the time. He wanted to kill him because he was afraid of what he would do when he became a man. Yes. Tom and Cindy, Satan is afraid of you. He is. Y'all got a future. Y'all got a future better. And I, I can't get away from it. I just can't get away from it. Or a macasta brete de bosuto, brete bacu brap sotto tofrebati celeberum no massate, breed the bicchella mon ramaneca batata. Why is Satan trying to hinder our kids so bad and our grandkids? Why is he trying to hinder them so bad and keep them stuck in darkness and, and, and drugs and alcohol? He knows what their future is. He knows we've been praying for them. He knows we've been believing for their outcome folks I tell you the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is here today Holy Ghost move today in the hearts of men and women Holy Ghost give breakthroughs and breakouts today why is Satan trying to do what he's doing with your kids trying to get you upset and keep you upset and keep you heavy hearted and keep you worn out so that all you can see is what your kids are doing right now ours did it for 12 years did drugs, did alcohol did whatever you know and was away from God but one day David called me and said dad I can't live this life no longer I was here and he was in Tennessee managing a gourmet restaurant he said daddy I can't do this no more I gotta turn my life back to Jesus. There he's back in the control room, then all over the world with me, uh, sitting at the video and listens to me and he, he could probably preach my messages better than me. Seriously. Because he has to listen to me all the time and then he he's spent thousands of hours editing. So he could probably preach my messages better than me. Tim, right now, feeds 200 and more homeless kids a week. Him and his wife Jackie feed 200 kids. They're going overseas and doing things. They're doing other things and on and on and on. Twelve years he was out there crazy. Tim was crazy. Tim, if you're listening, son, I'm sorry. But Tim was crazy. I mean, he he would just do it. I mean, he would just do it. He didn't care the consequences or anything else. He'd just do it. But you know what? One day, one day, the Holy Ghost arrested him. We were over on Royal Lane. An evangelist was in there. And, and, and Tim stood up and Tim said something didn't like him or whatever. And in a little while, the anointing came and just melted Tim. And then Tim went two years to jerry seville 's Bible school over there, and then went to the overseas and now today, you know uh, they got a business and, and 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 you know just doing stuff all over the world, uh, believing in God for better employees so they can spend more time away from the business and do what god 's called them to do but why why did Satan beat on tim and, and even Tammy? Uh, and, and, and David why did he do what he did trying to hinder them from what they're doing right now the battle is for your future you're on your way to the place God said you'd go I'm over time but I gotta finish this and I'm, I'm I, this is this is the finish Look where we are in the United States of America today because they took prayer out of school years ago. See, it didn't affect anything that day. It didn't affect anything for the next month. It didn't affect anything probably for a year. But little by little, when there was no more presence of prayer, no more presence of Bible reading. See there again, that's why I'm talking to you about coming to church. It's in, or, or listening in. Because the more you hear and understand and the better decisions you make. Yeah. So Satan used Madeline Murray or O'Hare and no one stood up. We could have stopped her. But we were Christians that just sit back and said, well, we're not to be involved in politics. And we let Madeline Murray O'Hare take prayer out of school. And when she took, one person, one person took prayer out of school and Bible reading out. Do you know the government used to pay my Bible teacher to come and teach us Bible in the school. And we prayed every morning in our class before we started. Yeah. But one day that changed. And now the abortion rate, it started going that's when abortion started changing it was just a year or so after because sin became more prevalent sin became more satan took prayer out of school to try and stop the move of God for people today so remember if satan can get our younger generation to go the wrong direction He knows he has the possibility of stopping the blessing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that family. I'm I'm done now because I finally got the main point out. Satan's trying to stop you now for what you will be. You know, I've lived a lot lot of life. I've lived a lot of life in just a little over a month I'm going to turn another another number. We're going to be 77. <laughs> another number. That's better calling it another number. Just,
1: a number. Just a number. Just a number.
0: Just a number. But you know what? I'm still believing. I'm still believing the best is yet to come. Amen. And it's amazing. Every week of how many people we reach through the internet? I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, folks. Some of the stuff I read, some of the stuff people say to me, and and little Josie, the lady we're supporting, uh, she sent me a text yesterday morning with pictures, and she said, Pastor. Thank you. I couldn't be here today if it wasn't for Gray for the experienced life. We didn't get enough, but I, I'm believing by the time see we do it on credit card, just what we sent. They got all these ways. I forget it what's what it's called, but it 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 just goes and you just do it on the computer and goes and it charges your credit cards. But I sent her extra for Christmas. And she already got it. We hadn't paid it yet, but she already got it. Last week was Mission Sunday. I don't remember what our mission's offering was, but I know it wasn't enough to cover everything we did. But anyway, I got some pictures, and she she said, Pastor, I'm in a church setting today, but most everybody was Muslims. But every one of them gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. So here we are. Here we are sitting in Dallas, Texas, Carrollton, Texas, and she's there. And and so uh, it was a great crowd. She sent me the picture. I was going to send have them to show them to you today, but she sent them to me yesterday. And she said, "Here's the crowd. Here's the people. Every parent, that has children that's with autism. Every." parent that were muslims gave their heart and life to the lord jesus christ she said because i told him the way i reached my son and brought him out of the autistic lifestyle he was living was through jesus christ so if you want your child to come out of autism and live a normal life You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and love Him with all your heart and He'll give you the wisdom and I'll help train you and teach you how to bring your child out of an autistic lifestyle into a normal lifestyle. You and I are doing that 7,000 miles away. Can you say "Praise praise God? Well, Father, I thank you Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you planning anything special? You are? Let's worship. The Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. Come on. Come on, everybody. know you love him I love him you know uh, someone just texted me and said you have to live to be 120 because we need your ministry too much (laughs) I don't know that I want to go that far (laughs) but I'm telling you back in the prayer room this morning before service The anointing was on people praying. And I I, I couldn't stop the tears, not because I'm sad. I'm not sad, but I just know that you all have decisions to make. Every day you have decisions to make. And I took so much time in this series getting to the point but i tried to lay it so broad that you would understand why why and even this morning i even took some more time that every decision if it's based on love it's going to be good may not be good for somebody else but when you make it based on love it's going to be right And I just, I just know that, I just know that, I just know that something is, is happening here today. And, and no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going through, no, I, I got to say it one more time. No matter what you're going through, Satan's trying to get to stop you from where you're going to. Ladonna, if you're watching over in Tennessee, Ladonna, if you're watching, one of the reasons why you've had so much to come against you, you're so talented, you're so anointed. Financially and physically it may be harder right now if you're watching, LaDonna. It may be harder right now. But it's nothing more than the enemy just trying to get you to stop right where you are and let him hold you in the pain. Let him hold you in the pain. Because LaDonna, it's going to be better than it's ever been. You may say, Pastor Don, it couldn't be because I had the mountain before. I owned all this. I owned all this. All this is gone, and physically. But you know what? Job lost all his, yes, yes, do. but twice this much came back. This is a word for somebody. And Ladonna, if you're watching, you just hold your head up, dear. You hold your head up. And I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Believing God for you. And you've sown some seed, LaDonna. If you're not watching, I'll call you and tell you. You've sown some seeds in different ways. Not just money, but different ways of character. LaDonna, you kept your character you kept your character and you didn't sacrifice your character when others did you know somebody said how long am I supposed to be loyal until you're asked to sacrifice your integrity and your character and if you're asked to sacrifice your character and integrity that's the time you get off the boat and LaDonna I'm going to I don't know if you're watching or not, but I'll call you. You kept your character when others sacrificed character for something they wanted now. Well, Caleb said, Lord, give me my mountain. You might have had a mountain, but it's going to be a big mountain. Folks, sometimes when i sometimes when i get in a spirit like this sometimes when i get in a spirit like this i just see so big for you not just me but for you i see so big for you and that's why i've taken so long to talk about decisions is because i know every one of you and god keeps me here You know, God keeps me here. I could be speaking somewhere in a very large church this morning. Very large church. I could be speaking overseas to thousands. But I'd rather be right where God wants me to be. And my heart is so content. Content or discontent. Which tent are you living in? I'm living in contentment. Amen. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for everyone that's watching by internet. That somehow and some way. Somehow and some way. They won't let today's problems... They won't let today's circumstances, they won't let today's situation to put them in a block or a box and keep them from seeing their future. Even though it may seem endless in how long it's been that you have gone through this. It may seem endless And I'm sure with Jesus, from the betrayal, the crown of thorns, the beating, and the cross seemed endless. Even though it was a few hours that all this happened, it must have seemed endless to Him through His emotions and His body. And you may have had days, weeks, months, and years going through something, but there is an end. Holy Ghost, I thank you for liberation today. I thank you for liberation and deliverance today. I thank you, God, for revelation today coming to people's minds of who they are in Christ and their future and what you're preparing them for, what you're getting them ready for. You that's watching, why don't you uh, just go to the website and help us help other people why don't you just just go to the website sow a seed I know, I know it's Christmas I, I I know it's Christmas but sow a seed sow a seed I, I, I feel like somebody in the internet needs to sow a seed somebody needs to sow a seed somebody needs to send in some tithe you had not been tithing Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, folks, I'm trying to close. I'm trying to close, but the anointing is so strong. The anointing is so strong. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the Gospel, to set the captive free, to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The anointing today, the anointing today, the anointing today is destroying the yoke thank you Jesus. one more time Rosa don't leave me one more time
1: grace,
0: oh it is amazing grace it is amazing grace One more time! Come on, let's all sing it. You at home, sing it with us. Worship with us. Oh yes, ten thousand, ten thousand
1: years. Oh yes.
0: One more time, please. Come on, let's worship one more time. Come on. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Think about it. One day you was blind, but now you can see. And this morning, just to add another thought and preach another message, now I think some of you can see clearer why you've been going through so much, why it's been so tough and so difficult for you, that Satan wants to catch you. Think about it, one day you was blind, but now you can see. And this morning, just to add another thought and preach another message, now I think some of you can see clearer why you've been going through so much, why it's been so tough and so difficult for you, that Satan wants to catch you there to keep you from where you're going. And He wants to stop you from spending eternity with God. But we're on our way. Bless you in the internet.
1: See you Tuesday. Bless you. You go home and have a great day.